0: Ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the overlap I quite honestly couldn't tell you why my camera's blurry if you're looking at this on Spotify or somewhere else it's been a whirlwind of a day but we're here we're talking about the World Cup and we are like kind of excited about it like I don't I, I mean you and I have talked about this round, but like um um we'll, we'll we'll get to it we'll get to it how about that I'll, I'll leave it very ambiguous but how are you
1: uh, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, gearing up for this this World Cup. You know, excited and yeah, obviously feeling like a little weird about it, but overall excited for this World Cup and or for to watch the World Cup to be able to have like this month to uh, yeah, I really like international sports. Period. Like, it, like, it really doesn't almost doesn't even matter what the sport is, but I do love the like international tournaments. So it's. Always exciting when we get to these, and this is the biggest one in the world. So it's, uh, so that's great. Outside of that, it's getting brick. And yes. you now, after uh, a weird few days of being in the 70s,
0: yeah, honestly. So I've, I have to think I've told you about like my seasonal depression doesn't hit in the winter, mine hits in the summer. And I don't know why, I can't explain it. <laughs> but when it, it gets too hot, I'm like, no, nah, I want to stay inside, I don't want to do anything. But in the winter, when it gets too cold, like yeah, I want to stay inside, and, like not do much. But like I enjoy it more. So I'm not thrilled that it's getting. You just like colder. Christmas
1: music a lot. No, I
0: do love Christmas music, but that's only <laughs> that's only part of it. I will I will say like mid January to end of February is a little tough. That is tough because like, there's nothing yeah. really to look forward to. You've got MLK Day and Presidents' Day. If you have that off, other than that. I mean, if you have money and want to go to Aspen, you can go skiing, but uh, beyond that, yeah, it's it's a bit tough. I'll give you that. But at least we have the World Cup to look forward to in the month of November slash December. Um, the purpose, we're going to talk all about the World Cup in this podcast. Like, it is weirdly crept up on us, right? It starts literally on Sunday, and we're recording this on a Wednesday night. That is four days away, basically four, at this point, days away. Avrihan, I... I feel like, uh, look, I tweeted about this. It's a World Cup, so I should be more excited. But I'm not that excited. Like, I'm really not thrilled about this World Cup. And I'm just trying to be honest, like, with, with people who are listening. I don't feel like I have a lot to get excited for, especially non-footballing. Obviously, for the, like, the football will always be there. Of course, we've had our conversations about it potentially being lower in quality just because so many of these players are so tired the number of games they played of last year but i feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge all of the human rights issues and all of the general corruption surrounding the world cup and even the timing of netflix's documentary (laughs) fifa uncovered coming out uh, about 10 days before the start of the world cup is how you say uh on the nose so ryan I'd love to hear your thoughts. Bestow upon me your wisdom. I don't know why I'm talking old English. Like, just, <laughs> what what's on your mind as it relates to the World Cup?
1: Yeah, I mean, and let like, obviously I want this to be a bit of a back and forth between us. But like, I know that like going into this, I was just saying, you know, this is a good time for like an escape, and and in so many ways, sports and specifically soccer for us is like an escape from life, like normal normal life, like the the shitty things about that that can come from, from life, yeah. And and the routine, obviously. Um and it's kind of difficult, especially going into this, um knowing like the thousands and thousands of people that, that um died creating this whole experience and i know that we you and i personally won't be there right but the experience overall it was made on the backs of you know a lot of migrant workers and um and a lot of whom died right um that is where it gets like really really tough like to think about like this world cup as a whole and and it takes away from that um ability to think of it as an escape from like the 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 bad things that go on in the world because it's kind of just interwoven with that and the fifa documentary obviously goes into the fact that that's more or less been the case for like 40 50 for 50 years more or less in in in, uh fifa um in general like with world cups you know they it's been in, it's been a thing in sports period if you go back to like the thirty six world uh olympics in, in nazi germany, in germany right yeah. um and then fiFA goes into nineteen seventy eight the the uh, world cup in dictator leader dictator led argentina right um and that's where you know soccer fans like we're put in this situation where we have to like wrangle with the fact that the thing that we really love is also, you know, um, kind of helping terrible regimes and helping countries that are treating, you know, marginalized or minority groups like in, in and marginali- marginalizing them. Um, so I don't know. like it, It's, it's, you and I obviously don't have enough information on all of this like to be able to to paint the whole picture um I, I would like direct anyone who's listening to this like if uh, if you know the the Guardian Football Weekly like this week they've been doing basically like half World Cup group previews like in the first half of the show and the second half they've, they've been speaking with um either people that have fled Qatar um like like today's episode was about the lgbt uh q person who who fled uh Qatar um the day before I think they it was they were talking with the migrant workers and so you know there are better there are better uh podcasts out there to give you that that scope but um I don't know say like from your point of view like how are you kind of like wrangling with the huge elephant in the room that that'll that will be uh hovering over this entire like world cup
0: it's like it's i mean it's literally like the biggest elephant in like the world has ever seen and i it's tough right let let me just start off by saying like it is very difficult and i want to acknowledge that especially as a a a massive soccer such football fan like i don't think there's a right answer to how you approach this world cup I think at the end of the day, all of us are here to watch an incredible sport and in whatever way possible, support the team that we love, right? And the national team that we want to be a part of and we want to back. But when we run into an issue where it's hard to say that in good faith, you're watching it, knowing that this is a clean, non-corrupt and essentially a a well, pardon the pun, oiled machine, like... (laughs) you can't really do that. You really can't. And I think the issue that I'm running into is do I then feel good about, you know, seeing, let's say, let's say the U.S. national team get out of the group and let's say they make it to the knockout rounds. I'm excited. I'm thrilled that they make it one step further and get that additional experience of playing in a world cup. But I think in hindsight, in the future, I'm always going to look back and think about, Oh, it was, you know it was the qatar world cup not that it means anything less but the every issue surrounding it outside of football absolutely hangs a dark cloud on this world cup and i think we should be very clear about something i think i've only agreed with Seth bladder on one thing and that is that the qatar world cup should not have been given to qatar so i mean I'm still going to watch several world cup games. Of course, I'll be supporting the U S national team. I want to see Messi lift a world cup, um, like all that stuff. But there's, I just don't think there's a right answer at the end of the day. And that's hard. That's hard because like, I want there to be a right, I want there to be justice. I want there to be a right answer. I want there to be everything everything to be black and white, but it's not. And that's what we're, I think just having to live with.
1: Yeah. And this is what, what I was kind of saying, like, there's there's nothing you and i can do and we're being put in every football fan and and, and every player as well is being put in this position where you know that uh what they call that what about ism stuff where yeah literally you think it's terrible but you're still gonna watch (laughs) your your players you think you know like the 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 shots being thrown at like the danish players oh you're you're like protesting with your training kits but you're still gonna go and play And, and and ultimately like that's kind of what those regimes want right? They want it to be put on like, oh, it's so bad, then why are you participating?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, so and the one thing... That's, someone, that's where we are. Someone asked me this, actually, the other day. They were like, have there been any teams that have boycotted the World Cup? And I was like, no. there's. I don't think there is any country in the world, regardless, almost, of the situation behind it. And, you know, Hopefully, there's never a more extreme situation than this, but I don't think there's any country in the world that would say, no, we're not going to send our team to the World Cup. Of all tournaments. And that's I think if we did see a team do that, you might see others just fall into place in some sort of domino effect. But like, can you imagine if I don't know Brazil would never do this, but can you imagine yeah. if, say, like Denmark, you know, did actually step away and say we're not going to participate? It's 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 a beautiful symbol, but at the end of the day, the World Cup will go on, their spot would be filled and they would not have played in a World Cup. And that's the really shitty part about this. Um, Yeah. It's not all them,
1: right? No, it's it's not on them. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be looking at at people who didn't organize this themselves, (laughs) um, participating in something that for a lot of them will be a literal once in a lifetime experience, like playing at this level. we should it shouldn't be put on them to say oh hey, well yeah i actually I have to be a politician I have to be like a political figure here and, and and do something to stop this when you know the 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 sports reg governing bodies and any actual politicians in the area and stuff didn't give a shit about it like for the most part so um yeah I, I feel for I really feel for the players and coaches everyone that's that's going and participating because that question will be thrown at them. Yep. Um, you can only hope that their answers are, you know, um, sympathetic to what's happened before. I mean, we saw the saw the pictures of the U.S. training with um, or playing like five a side games with some some workers. Um, like obviously that that doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make it's, what it, again, happened in the past small, yeah, right? anything. But you know the, the to at least show some sort of empathy or sympathy acknowledgement of that this that that you know, um some terrible things happen coming into this like I think that's probably at most what what you'll get and uh 100 and maybe at most of what you can expect too
0: yeah yeah 100 percent. I will say uh we'll move on to talk about the U.S. men's national team and, and where we think in a second I'll I'll end this portion of the pod just talking about I guess the the thing that I am most excited, or not most excited, but I found um, just funniest about the World Cup in Qatar, uh, two things. I'll say one is Luis Enrique saying that he's going to stream on Twitch, um, basically on almost every occasion. Um, Throughout the World Cup. I'm very excited for that. Because I feel like in some ways he's like trying to circumvent press conferences and just create his own narrative yeah. there. Which big brain move. Big brain it move. Is, I, it I is totally smart. respect it. Yeah.
1: His his responses, especially his responses, I feel like in the last few months to Spanish reporters um <laughs> asking about the squads and stuff and who has and has not come. I mean, I'm really not surprised that he's the one that's doing this. No, so, no I'm not surprised. Uh,
0: yeah, so that is one. The other is, honestly, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but the living quarters for everyone attending the World Cup, not the players, but like fans, et cetera, shipping containers. They're literally shipping containers. <laughs> if you're staying in Qatar specifically, or at least very close to Doha, you are sleeping in a almost twin or full-size bed in a shipping container that's side by side to hundreds of other people. Um which I I don't know is some weird twisted way of justice. I've, I don't really know, but I found that somewhat amusing at the very least. So anyway, I want to end on a slightly later <laughs> note before we move on and talk about the U.S. national team. So uh,
1: <laughs> anyway, that. Um, yeah. all right. Shall we, shall we get into it here? Elias? Let's we do can, it. Um, start, start with the, the roster reveal itself. Um, can start from kind of back to forward, go with goalkeepers down to the forwards.
0: Goalkeepers, goalkeepers, because there's already narratives there. So let's, let's do that.
1: Goalkeepers, uh, Matt Turner, who we expect to start, uh, obviously he's had some, some injury issues in the last few weeks with Arsenal, but I think we expect him to start that first game against Wales. Uh, Ethan Horvath, obviously the nation's league hero, uh, I think it was last year, right? Uh, and then Sean Johnson, the starting keeper for NYC FC. The obvious big surprise here is that no Zach Steffen in the team at all.
0: What's interesting about the, the Steffen admission is that when Zach Steffen was at Manchester City and only playing, what, maybe 12 games per season? Um mm-hmm.
1: At most, really. At most,
0: uh, <laughs> as a backup to Ederson, he was just not getting minutes. But now, he is actually a star keeper, and he's been excluded from the squad. I don't know what that tells you necessarily about either him or what Berhalter are thinking, but the only thing that I can really think about here is that he Berhalter just must not rate his growth at, at the end of the day. And, and that has to come down to personal preference or the coaching staff's preference for, for how Zach Steffen fits in this team. But towards, I mean, in Zach Steffen's what last five or so caps for for the Mm -hmm. national team, there were certainly a lot of questions about, can he play with his feet? Like all those things that like, weirdly enough, you would have thought, okay, Pep will make him a better keeper or Manchester city as a team will force him to become a better keeper in that sense. But My only thought, again, is a personal preference and B could it have come down to to that being a big part of it. Whereas I think Matt Turner is someone who fits that style very well.
1: Yeah. And and I think I mean, we'll we'll see this in the when we get to the forwards, too. But a player who wasn't playing and then and and was still getting called up and still seemingly given the chances to be like the starter um, now is consistently playing um uh, doing okay like, like like stefan is is doing he's doing better than he was than he did in those in that last month or two at city um before he went on loan but yeah i i you know i already had my i think I've, i made my um opinion pretty known on about him especially how he performed um basically leading up until these last couple months but it was still a bit of a surprise not to see him in the squad at all, I do think Sean Johnson. Sean Johnson is probably the the player that has knocked him out. Um, and and I think Sean Johnson is a good, a, a nice third keeper to have. But um, that was a surprise, not one that I think is going to move the needle really, like either way, because I, I like like we both agree, uh, Matt Turner is the starter. But um, it was an interesting one nonetheless. Defenders, at least. So we got.
0: First off, Cameron- let me say I am absolutely shocked, mm-hmm. Sergenio Dest. Now I'm kidding. I, I'm just, <laughs> I don't think there were many surprises with this, but go ahead, continue.
1: No, no, I don't think so. From the center backs, we have Cameron Carter-Vickers, Aaron Long, uh, Tim Ream. That, that maybe that's the somewhat big surprise. He hasn't yeah. hasn't been in the team for about a, and at least a year. Um, and Walker Zimmerman, the Zimmerman as the center backs, right? And then fullbacks Sergenio Dest. Shaq Moore, and Anthony Robinson, Joe Scally, and DeAndre Yedlin.
0: I don't know yeah. why I felt slightly surprised by DeAndre Yedlin. Not actually surprised, like, mm-hmm. just because I don't think he'll be starting, obviously. But, like, I, I don't know. Ever since he's gone to Miami <laughs> and out of the Premier League, I feel like his decline as both starter and both just a player that is capable of defending in transition has become kind of suspect. Maybe that's just perception more than reality, but perception kind of is reality. So. Yeah.
1: He, yeah. He's, he's on that. The only reason I wasn't surprised is because he played a fair amount of like a good amount of minutes during qualifying. Um, not saying that I necessarily enjoyed those minutes, but um, <laughs> he, he did play a lot during qualifying. Um, happy to see Joe Scally got, call up um, obviously he's been playing well at, at uh, Gladbach he's obviously he's a different kind of fullback he can play he plays on the right he can play on the left he's a bit more of a defensive fullback um, and then I obviously like talking about the big bigger surprises um, go back to Tim Ream who's had a good season with Fulham um, probably comes in because Chris Richards has not really returned to full fitness um since his move to to palace he got hurt pretty early on in the season and hasn't really recovered since then so that's a big miss that's that was one of the starting center backs and we're now in a position where at the end of qualifying like our starting center backs who were who were chris richards and miles robinson neither of them are fit to play in this in the world cup so that's and both, a tough of, both of which
0: both of which had incredible uh, qualifying matches. Right. Yeah. They're obviously not you know, super tenured. They're not the mm-hmm. near the, you know, Yedlin, Kellyanne Acosta conversation, but they both had wonderful, wonderful performances. And in some situations, I'm forgetting which games now they were individually. They both made like goal saving tackles. I can
1: yeah. remember them vividly. I just don't remember the opponent. <laughs> so Yeah, yeah. And and look, the US if I remember correctly had the best defensive record um in Concacaf in the in the in the qualifying. Um so yeah, they were really good. Uh so that's gonna be a huge miss, but I expect I expect Tim Ream to start. Um I don't know if he'll start the first game, but I expect him to start at least against England. Um said it before i think he's a better option than aaron long i i, I don't know what aaron long gives the team that tim Reem can't i mean tim is a much better passer um he might not be as athletic as aaron long but he's a better defender period <laughs> so it's yeah, yeah it's hard to to argue that um but yeah i, I think i think the starting back line is I mean, we know the fullbacks it will likely be Dest and, and Anthony Robinson and Walker Zimmerman definitely one of the starting center backs. And then we'll see who gets the nod next to him.
0: Well, outside of defenders, I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on who starts in this midfield, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways you can slice and dice this midfield and, and the kind of forward line. But I feel like what, Berhalter has started, well, we'll go through the roster, but Berhalter has mm-hmm. certainly settled on what seems like a midfield three. But I don't know if it actually is, just by the way that this team plays. Uh, I'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. but Brendan Aronson from Leeds, no shock. Callie Costa from LAFC- Boo, but yeah, fine. Um, Only boo because he beat the Union, by the way. We don't don't hate on Kelly Acosta. (laughs) Let me be very (laughs) clear. Um, Tyler Adams, of course, also from Leeds. Um, Luca Delator Torre from, I think, Celta Vigo, right? Yeah. I think I should know that. Yes. Um, McKinney, um, Wes McKinney. um, Yunus Musa, who I'm very excited um, about seeing in this World Cup. And then Christian Roldan from... The
1: Sounders, correct? Mm-hmm. I pronounce that. Yeah. Way, right? The vibes, the vibes, the vibes guy. Yeah. Who seems like everyone has agreed is there for vibes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, fair enough. There's You get 26 players now. I'm not going to go crazy about the 25th and 26th guys on this roster. Like, life is too short. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. I
1: don't disagree with that. <laughs> um, but I, I think you kind of. The interesting one in that midfield group and the way that it's been communicated from U.S. soccer themselves and and specifically, I guess, Greg Berhalter. Brendan Aronson, who was usually put into that forward category in a lot of the qualifiers, like when they announced the rosters, he's been put into the midfield category here. So it makes me wonder, um, thinking about... McKenney's been out for the last couple weeks for Juventus I don't know what his fitness is going to be like going into this going into this first game at least um it, it it's making me wonder if we see a double pivot potentially um of of Musa and Adams I know that the if all healthy the the first choice midfield is probably McKenney musa and and Adams, but it is making me wonder if, um, we see a double pivot potentially in that first game. Um, maybe, and if it works, obviously I'm sure we'd see it again, but, um, that's where I'm very curious about where this, how the midfield shapes up.
0: Yeah. So here's kind of my thing, right? Like I had that same thought when I saw the list and how it was structured and he kind of took the words out of my mouth with like the midfield three, Mm -hmm. but I would think that playing Eunice Musa next to Tyler Adams would not actually get the best out of him. And that's why I f- like I go back and forth between thinking, do we need against, let's say, someone like England, more of a defensive cover versus Wales and Iran, where it might be the the complete opposite. Hmm. Yunus Musa is very much better in the right hand channel than I think any other player on the team other than maybe Brendan Aaronson if he wants to play there the caveat to that is then we're bleeding into kind of the forward conversation right if you play that midfield three what is Christian Pulisic Pulisic's best position right what is Brendan Aaronson's and well maybe not Brendan Aaronson but like Christian Pulisic and I would say Weah, what, is, yes um, thank you Tim waya um and I think I mean Josh Sargent is pretty Clear cut, like yeah, out now striker. I don't think there's yeah. anything else that's more complicated than that. But, but yes, that's kind of my 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 thing. I, I don't I don't know what that midfield will look like. Whether it will be a three, whether it be a four, or whether that will just purely change game to game. Yeah, and
1: I think we saw it maybe once during the June friendlies that they that they trotted out the, the um, double pivot and put Aronson. It might have been against Morocco even um, but I, I don't remember and...
0: that working very well, right it, it, and i I think it was in that game that I think you're correct in saying that, but I felt like the transition, not the transition in mm. defense but like going mm. forward was too stagnant and maybe that's partially the way that Morocco or I, I believe it was Morocco that we played um and, and how they set up but i I felt like there were not enough outlets. In front of that midfield to actually justify playing four, four in the middle of the park yeah, for an attack. Yeah. I, I'm I'm like actually really struggling to remember who we played in that game. Yeah, yeah. I, was, do, um, I do know what you're talking about.
1: Yeah, and I th- I think it was in the Morocco game. Um, but they, they played Morocco and Uruguay. Um, I think were the two two matches during that window. Yeah. Um, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see because I, I have had my own. Uh, issues with the build-up and and how it looks. At times when you do play McKenny, uh, Eunice, and and Tyler Adams together, you lack a lot of creativity in in ball progression. Really, in that, well, ball progression from outside of Musa pretty much because we know that he can carry the ball forward and and can play the ball in between the lines, and, and Tyler Adams can too, but. He's mostly doing it with shorter passes, and then, you know, my my I, my thing with McKenney right now is if you actually watch how he plays with Juventus, Allegri, and and you know, I, obviously this could always this could always be a, just a how the coach is having him play, right? And and I don't think either of us have very high. Thoughts about Max Allegri at this moment, but he Weston McKennie is basically being played in the same style as Marwan Fellaini was for the last his last couple seasons with Manchester United, like where Ooh, tell tell me more about this.
0: I'm interested. You've captured my attention.
1: So McKennie, when you when you watch his games, he's not involved in build up period. He doesn't touch the ball when. Uh, Plays building up and and granted, you know, Juventus are not the best team at doing that period, but he's not involved in it at all. He, you watch his movement. He basically just goes up to the forward line more or less, and is just kind of hovering around the forwards um, and is kind of like a threat on, on set pieces. And when they play the ball longer and he really does not get involved much with with possession right and and he's really just kind of a threat in the box and that's it and and i am worried because i i also am of the opinion he's not out of those three midfielders that we named um between him Eunice, and and tyler he's the worst passer of the three and i think you just lose a lot um from the midfield when I, i think you lose lot in terms of like going in possession now in the past and and i was listening to um i think it was the michael michael cox's podcast on the athletic and they were just talking about you know characteristics of teams that have won world cups and done well in world cups in the past and and a lot of it's really boring soccer it's not like outside of pretty much outside of spain's 2010 team and that team even didn't score a lot that's kept a lot of clean sheets
0: one of the most boring games, Spain Germany in that semifinal. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And 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 we know that I mean Netherlands made the final an absolute just, <laughs> a bloodbath. Bloodbath. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, generally the teams that do the best are the teams that play very, very solid, compact, and and make the game really slow and and don't open themselves up, and that probably works if you're playing. Um, mckenny musa and and adams um it's it it just it 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 gets tough for us i feel like to to build to be able to make wales and iran suffer um if we play that three right and and it's kind of what you were saying like depending on the team we're playing if we're playing england you expect them because as we've seen in the past with them, they hold the ball. It's a lot of slow possession. It's a lot of just keeping the ball and and being very safe, right? And that's a team that maybe we plays into our hands more. Like yeah, we're where we can be more of a counter attacking team. And you saw the best moments during qualifying were in transition, like attacking wise, like in transition when they turn the ball over and you have guys like Brendan Aronson and and uh Wea running at. The defense so maybe that's what we maybe we see a bit more of that in the england game um I, I just still am quite concerned about what happens against wales and, and iran and and especially iran who has carlos carlos Quer- as the coach and who coached egypt and those egypt teams especially during afcon that was some of the worst talk i've ever seen in my life so <laughs> the so. final the
0: final was awful i
1: mean awful awful stuff just nasty stuff um so so that midfield becomes really interesting i, I don't know what i really am i don't know what's going to be like the first um for all three of those games
0: well lastly and then we'll we'll move on to predictions the front line is jesus Ferreira, right from fc dallas um mm-hmm. jordan morris from sounders christian pulisic from chelsea Gio Reyna from door, of course, Josh Sargent of the Norwich city and Tim Wea from Lil. And I believe is it, there's one more, right? Is it? Haji? Haji Wright? Yeah. Okay. Haji, Wright. Um, from, I, I butchered Turkish. Uh, and so I'm not
1: in spore, thank that, you. I think is how it's, I think it's how it's pronounced.
0: <laughs> we'll we'll roll with that. Um, very quickly thoughts and we'll move to predictions on who you think that starting front three might be. I feel like it's pretty clear cut, um, depending on how you, again, structure how many midfielders you actually want.
1: I I think it'll be pool. and way. I think are the, are likely the, the locks, right. That those, those have been the starters, basically whenever both were healthy, those were the starters in the, in the qualifiers. Yeah. Striker, I think it should be Josh Sargent. I think the best I I think that Josh Sargent gives us the best potential, um, the highest ceiling, like raises the ceiling of the team more than any of the other strikers. I I, I loved what Ferreira did during the qualifiers mostly because of all the strikers that played during the qualifiers, we played best with him, right? But I still think that Josh Sargent at if that's as as level right now he was fully out of form playing in a bad norch team during most of the qualifiers in a team that just didn't get didn't have possession of the ball so he really struggled uh, as most forwards would have most, most exactly <laughs> thank you um, but uh, him now he's been playing with the ball a lot more they're uh, back in the championship and he's been playing really well um I still just think he gives the team the best chance to win um, when he's in form. And so I hope it's him. Um, I hope that's the front three. And I think that's the best version of the front three. Um, Reyna, I would love to be able to find a way to get him into this lineup. And some people would like him to play on the wing, like over even over wayo or, or pool sick or, or either one up. But um, I'm, Personal preference, I would like my wiggers to be comfortable playing <laughs> wide. Right, I, I think that Gio Reyna is, yeah. just, is more of a central player, so I think we'd lose a lot of width if you play uh, Reyna on the right and and Pulisic as is likes to come inside a lot, which causes problems for the teams at time at, for the team at times because he doesn't make the runs in behind um, very much. So that's that's who I hope the front three is. Uh, I'll also say I'm very sad about Ricardo Pepe missing out on the team. That's the big omission. I I think overall, overall from the squad, that's a big omission. Um, I think he handled it very well
0: though. Yeah. 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 I think, I think he handled it with class. He was asked, um, I forget after which game, but he basically said, you know, the question was thoughts (laughs) and he was like, (laughs) look, like I controlled everything. I controlled. I did everything I could. And at the end of the day, it's down to the coach's like, Decision and I just have to live with that and like just kind of moved on to the next thing, which I really I really respect.
1: Yeah, and and really tough. Like similar situation to Stefan, where he wasn't playing much at Augsburg and was similarly playing in a team that he couldn't get the ball very much. Similar to to Sargent. makes the loan that that is definitely better for his career. Does really well in these first few months and then is not is not brought to the team. Like even though he was still getting starts and playing time when he wasn't playing as well um, previously. So it's a weird one. It's really weird. doesn't, I mean, the the consistency in some of the roster decisions are just not there. Just lack of consistency in in some of the decisions, but you know,
0: if uh, I, if I speak uh, a famous man once (laughs) said, if I speak, I'm in big trouble. So every, every speak.
1: Every team, I'm just like at the point where every team, every country has their gripes, and yeah, it's, you know, it, it's unfortunate. <laughs> um, I just hope that like as you saw from the interview, like I hope that he takes that and helps build and 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 um, hopefully becomes a better player out of it. I don't know for sure. Um, I think that's it though. At least we got the we got the first game on Monday.
0: We do, but you forgot the most critical part of this. Which oh. is how far do you think this team can actually go? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Um, <laughs> the part you were dreading, <laughs> probably. Answering. Yeah. You know, I think, I think it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be really difficult if they can't get a win against Wales. It's going to be really difficult. Yes. Um, and I don't
0: think that's a lock, by the way. I really, not at really all.
1: Don't. Not at all. Um. It's a, it's a team like, that's going to sit deep and be very compact and try to hit on the break. And the teams that the U.S. struggled against the most in World Cup qualifiers were teams that just sat back and just were really compact and tried to make them play through. And and that's what Wales and Iran are going to do to the nth degree. Iran are actually going to be just, again, nasty at it and and arguably have better strikers up front to actually hurt the U.S. And hurt, I mean, Correct. any other team in their group. So, um, if I had to predict, I, I want to say they get out of the group. Um, <laughs> and and talent-wise, they have the second-best team in the group. Um,
0: You know, because that, that always just, decides things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know,
1: three games yeah. are always enough to decide. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Why else? It always, you know, it evens out over three games, always. <laughs> um, so I, um, I'm pessimistic. I don't, I don't know. I don't think I don't think they'll. You don't out think of the group. they get out of the group? But, um, That's but I think everything big. rides on. I think everything rides on the first game. I think everything rides on the first game. For, first um, game,
0: of course, is against Wales, right? Yeah, um, I think and,
1: they can get a point against England for sure. But I think they need to win the first game, either way.
0: I, I agree. I think four points could be enough to get them out. Yeah. I think in all likelihood, they need at least five. So, yeah. well, with that, we're probably a little short in time to talk about the rest of the World Cup, but we will be back very soon talking about the rest of how we feel about the World Cup because yes. there are, of course, other teams outside of the U.S. Men's national team. Um, the first game coming up on Sunday, which is Qatar, I believe, playing... Ecuador or Senegal? I forget which which one is actually first. Um,
1: it's it's uh Ecuador playing Qatar.
0: Ecuador, okay. Ecuador playing Qatar, the World Cup opener. Of course, it, it's here. That's so yeah. bizarre, but it is here. So, yeah. With that, uh, so really quick. Yes. Real quick. Yes. Give your your
1: one one favorite and your one um dark horse.
0: I will say so. First off, I didn't give my U.S. Men's National Team predictions. I do not. Oh yeah, also yeah. Think I do not think the US national team get out of the group I do think that they draw at least to Wales potentially lose um I think I don't know if people are giving Wales enough credit for what they potentially did leading up to the Euros and basically since then I think unfortunately it's three games and a plain ride hope from a dark horse and everyone else in the tournament, I will start with my dark horse. I'll th- start, then go to my upset and then the uh, the winner. I think the dark horse that I'm picking is Denmark. I think a lot of people are probably picking Denmark as a potential dark horse. So in some ways it's not really a dark horse, <laughs> but to me, given their performance at the Euros with, A a truly a situation which I don't think many people could have been able to play through. Of course, I'm referencing to Christian Eriksen, but Denmark are a genuinely good team. They are a very, very good balance between veteran and youth. I think they're a wonderfully coached side. I think defensively, they're very strong. I think their strikers are more than than balanced enough to provide them with enough goals Mm -hmm. to, at the very least, get through the group. I think denmark are very much a dark horse the other one potentially for me is and i honestly i again don't know if they're a dark horse so much but senegal i think we are looking at senegal as a team that oh you know they have the netherlands in their group they could potentially lose the netherlands and get a a crappy draw if they make it out in the the knockout rounds i think they make the quarterfinals at least regardless of who they play in the knockout rounds I think a large part of that obviously rides on Zadio Mane, um, but that, that is, those are my two dark horses, my potential upset, France, I don't think this French team <laughs> is nearly as strong enough as they were four years ago. I think the world cup cor- a curse will continue in the winning country from the previous world cup, getting knocked out in the group stages of basically their next, <laughs> next world cup tournament. And I think, quite honestly, not having Pogba, Kante, and Kunku now, who is, is no longer out due to an injury in training, um, al- along with, is there anyone else that I'm missing? I don't remember. Um, I think this could be a little tricky for them in in the World Cup. I think they probably do get through, quite honestly, if I'm just being honest, like the group stages. The group stage, yeah. I think it's curtains right afterwards. Um, I'm very excited for them to play Denmark very excited Mm. for that game.
1: They, they lost, they've lost to Denmark twice in the last year and looked and Denmark outplayed them in those games. So
0: exactly. And that's, I don't think that's a coincidence. So last and final piece for me, Rian, I think the winner of the 2022 Qatar world cup will likely be Brazil. I don't want to say Brazil, but they are the best team. They are the best squad. They are the most talented squad. And it's very hard to see them losing against any other team, with the exception, of course, being a potential, if all things work out, match up with Argentina in the semifinals. So I would love for Messi and Argentina to win this World Cup like no other, if it's not going to be the US national team. But it is hard to overlook Brazil. It is really hard.
1: Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on, on Brazil, a favorite. I have Argentina as a second favorite, but um, agree with you on Brazil there. Upset. My, I think one of Portugal or France are will not make it out of their group. One of the two of them, I think, will not make it out of the group. So in, um, in a
0: situation where Portugal doesn't, you would, I guess, pick Ghana and Uruguay? Yeah. Okay. That's fair.
1: Yeah. I don't hate that. Um, or or uh, who else is in Uruguay? Korea is the other group? South Korea, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the difference between South Korea and Ghana is probably marginal, honestly. Yeah. Um yeah. But dark horses, um, I think Uruguay might be might be one of them. Um, yeah. And and then the other, which is like maybe not su- pr- surprising, but the Netherlands. I, I think they could. I think they could make a sneaky run to like the quarters. Um, and and. Who knows? We'll see. Like I think this team is better than the one that made it to the semifinals in 2014. 100. And um, I don't think they're better than
0: the the team that made the final. But I would agree with no, you on the same. No, I agree,
1: agree, agree with that. Um, and you know the the other side. of This is this is probably Louis Van Gaal's last tournament as a coach ever. Um, I've yeah. seen the prostate prostate cancer has been dealing with that. Um, and yeah, I, I, this team played surprisingly well in. 20 in the euros like they surprised me how well they played in that tournament and i think there's still maybe forwards aside strikers aside <laughs> <laughs> i think i think defense and midfield are still a relatively strong team and and you know van dyke has basically been saving himself for this world cup so let's see <laughs> you're
0: not wrong you're not wrong um, and I think you mentioned your winner as Brazil, correct?
1: Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
0: The one but I'm last hoping for team... that Brazil,
1: Argentina matchup as well.
0: Oh, well, yeah. Oh my God. That would be amazing. Um, I think there, there's a path potentially for Portugal and Argentina in the final as well, which would probably <laughs> break Twitter if it isn't yeah. already. That would be um... terrible for all of us. Oh, I'm not logging in that day. I refuse. <sighs> but the other team that I could potentially see, I don't want to say this, but I could potentially see going out in the group stages, Spain. They have Costa Rica, Germany, mm. and Japan in their group. And I believe they did play... Maybe I'm confusing the US national team with Japan. But Japan beat the US national team US, recently. Yes, right? they
1: did. And Japan yeah. looked... I mean, I think they could surprise. They could definitely surprise. Yeah. I, that, I, I wouldn't would be surprised if they got out of that group.
0: Uh, no, it wouldn't. And that's and they actually, funny enough, earlier this year, I think they beat Ghana as well and mm. only lost to Brazil like 1-0. So... I think Japan could surprise.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I would not be surprised if Spain or Germany didn't make it out of their groups. So,
0: yeah, I kind of agree with that. So uh, look, it's an entertaining world cup. Obviously we've talked about the issues surrounding it, but we have to wrap up and look throughout the tournament. We're going to be talking about various different topics. Us men's national team, all the upsets. We're going to come out with a lot of content. So we hope you guys stay with us. And of course, listen and watch and enjoy as much of the football as you can. And we'll talk to you guys very soon.
1: Thanks guys.